What's the brain's role in pitching? Dustin and I explore that question on this edition of Location Nation. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and the TuneIn Radio app. And be sure to subscribe to our Location Nation YouTube page as well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition, episode number four of Location Nation, a podcast all about pitching. I'm Jim, and joining me as always is my co-host, renowned pitching instructor, and friend, coach. I'll get that. I'll get that line down. Come episode one thousand, Dustin Pease. Dustin, how are you doing this morning, evening? Jim, I'm doing just fine. We're having a nice, wonderful evening here in uh, Maryland. The uh, the academy is open back up, and we're kind of back to baseball, kind of on a li- little bit of a limited basis. But yeah, um, we don't really have too many big groups in there. But things are going things are going well right now, and uh, looking forward to getting back into episode four here. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. Things are starting to be lifted where I am in Florida. Um, gyms are now open. Salons are open. I got my hair cut yesterday. Back in the gym this week. Uh, wrenched my, part of my lower back. So we're back to normal life somewhat here in the state of Florida. And it's good to hear that you're getting back uh, to training and, and getting players ready for what could be a possible summer season, um, whether it be with professionals or not. Um, but it, I think it'll pose a pretty interesting proposition for you and your staff to try to get players ready to go, uh, not just for this summer, if they are playing, or the fall, but for next year. It, it's a very weird time because you're getting players prepared for to play, but without actually having a season. It's very crazy right now because you know, I have a lot of guys that I'm working with, and so do the other instructors at the, at the academy, and you know, everybody has a different story. Yeah. Every every pitcher and player that comes in, they have a different coach, they have a different team, they have a different story, and this tournament's canceled and that tournament isn't, and these they're planning their travel here and there and and it's like uh it's like almost like the same news we were getting um from the government when every, when all this went down. It's like kinda things are happening day by day. Mm-hmm. And it's like we don't really know who's going where and you know, for me I just feel like that for pitchers at least, I'm thinking along the lines of uh pitchers, you know, I I feel like we're going to be, I mean, hopefully not on our end. We're trying to get guys ready as best we can, but from a, from a whole, I mean, looking across the country and across all the levels that are going to be trying to play, I think we're going to be, we're on the cusp of the onslaught of many, many arm injuries. Yeah, um, I, I was just going to ask. Workload and for preparation. So uh, hopefully that's not the case, but um, I'm kind of thinking that's the, the road we're going to be going down here soon. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Uh, are you worried? How worried are you about possible i mean because hitters i guess the worry there is timing but for and and obviously the smaller injuries like hamstrings and whatnot but with pitchers the worst injury that you can receive is an elbow injury or or that news that you have to get tommy john surgery i would assume how worried are you about that i mean i'm pretty concerned i mean not necessarily for my my particular guys you know we're always gonna 
err on the side of, of workload and workload management. And I'd like to think that the professional side is, is doing that as well. Um, but I mean, you just, at the end of the day, depending on where the players are and what they're doing, you don't really know. So yeah. you just kind of jump right back into games and you're just reporting uh, or, or flying off to a tournament somewhere and you haven't been keeping yourself busy and keeping yourself active and keeping yourself ready. I mean, you're, you're, that's a recipe for, for a disaster. So um, I think there's a, there's a lot that goes into to how you prepare for the season. And I, and I think, you know, this is the first time something like this has ever happened. So you know, we've always had a spring training, you know, high school players always know when their season starts, they all know, you know, the kind of the things that go into getting yourself ready and prepared. And this is a uncharted territory, but hopefully, you know, Hopefully these guys understand that and they're they're keeping themselves ready to go. Uh, yeah, and and I think with with hitters too, it is a little bit easier, so to speak, to get yourself get your body ready to go. But you know, with pitchers, there's more to because again, with pitchers, there's so much of that arm care and and the health involved with that. I mean, how do you stretch guys out? How do you change or go about the long toss plan? These are all things, and just those, I mean, there's just two scenarios that I threw out there, but these are all things that have to be uh, discussed when getting pitchers back to where they need to be, but do it in the healthiest possible way. Right. I mean, it kind of comes for me, it comes down to workload and how many throws you're getting and what intensity you're getting those throws at and uh, the amount of time you get to. Uh, operate under that type of volume you know whether it's two weeks three weeks four weeks a month Mm -hmm. Um, you know typically spring training is a month it's a little longer for pitchers we're looking at maybe six weeks you know they're arriving in february to get their start their throwing so um and again that's for a professional so uh yeah there's a lot there's a lot that goes into getting yourself ready and there's there's a lot of throws that need to happen there's you know some off days here and there there's a lot of long toss that's going on um, there's recovery days. So, you know, you want to make sure you're getting all that in and you're, you're diligent with how you're getting yourself prepared. And, um, you know, I think at the end of it, like when we look, when we look at how people, when we look at injury and we look at kind of the type of workload uh, certain guys are going through, I feel like that's one of the main reasons we we're, we're finding this, you know, a lot of people say it's, it's overuse and I think it's underuse and, and I feel like we need to continue to throw more and, um, I think that's something that could produce troublesome for, for a lot of guys as we approach back into the season. Yeah, and I think that's a big worry with Major League Baseball as well. I read an article on The Athletic that was written by Peter Gammons about how baseball is going to take, at least Major League Baseball and, and minor league professional baseball overall, might take um, about a year or two even to just reset itself. That's the negative part of, of looking at it. I think the positive part of looking at all of this is that baseball has rebounded from strike years before to where this could be looked at as a lost strike year, so to speak, and maybe the resetting won't be as strenuous as possible, but you take into account the possible injuries that may occur or guys not being in proper baseball shape, not in shape, but proper baseball shape to be able to perform at the highest level every single day because you know this and 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 the audience listening probably knows this as well that baseball you know baseball players are creatures of habit yep i mean i think that's that's what we're going to continue to see we're going to see how this unravels and we're going to see what they type of what type of uh, season or or thing that they're going to be kind of implementing um it'll be very interesting to see how it's handled uh across all levels of the game you know on on my end it's kind of like how are we getting you know, some of the professionals ready and then how are we getting and how we're waiting and seeing what's going to happen with them but 
um, you know, the college, the college and high school guys, obviously their season's over. So they're, they're just trying to see what they're going to do with summer ball. So yeah. um, everything for on that end for us, just seems to be up in the air. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're just going to try to do the best we can to get these guys ready. Yeah. By the way, a couple of things before we get into today's topic. We're talking about the brain's role in successful pitching. Dustin tweets a lot about the brain's role, the cognitive ability of a player. But you are involved in what's called the Expert Summit, and um, you are going to be debating pitching, which should be a lot of fun. This is what we do the podcast for, in case you ever have to get into a debate, and you can go ahead and, <laughs> and win that debate. Yeah, so there's uh, the expert summit, and uh, Kenny Koppelov is kind of heading that up, and it's uh, it's something where I think there's about eight of us, eight to ten of us that are doing going through a debate. Uh, there's going to be a variety of topics. I think like anywhere from 25 to 30 different topics. Uh, I'm unsure. I'm unsure what all we're going to be covering in that first debate, but um, you know, it should be very interesting. It should be quite entertaining. There should be a lot of education in there, a lot of great content, and uh, I definitely think it's something that you know. Anybody who's interested in pitching, or anybody who's interested in just maybe potentially just hearing a good, good old pitching debate, yeah, um, in a in a very constructive way, uh, I think it'll be a good time, kind of for for those guys, coaches, players, scouts, anybody that to kind of tune in and just see what we're all talking about, and uh, I'm you know I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Um, also, another thing I wanted to bring up: uh, you can follow Dustin on Twitter at Location Nation. Same thing on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as well at Jim Tara and um, on Instagram with that handle as well. Uh, but another thing I wanted to uh, bring up here with a tweet that I saw earlier in the week, I screenshotted it on my phone, and I thought it would be a good thing to bring up here. And it actually correlates with what we're talking about here tonight on the episode, today, tonight, this morning, whenever you may be listening. Um, you tweeted, My movement is designed for task. Your movement is designed for force and intensity, force slash intensity. My movement envelopes both your movement is strangled by effort create a better mechanism let's expand on that a little more and talk about it because that can be deciphered in in many many ways well actually i mean there's four i took away from it four different elements to that tweet and and four different ways that you can go about actually deciphering uh, deciphering it so let let's hear it from uh the man himself who tweeted that uh Decipher that a little bit. Break it down as to what exactly you meant um, by that with pitchers. Yeah, so you know, I think sometimes guys probably think I'm speaking in some sort of tongues or uh, some sort of cryptic code, and you know, I really am just trying to convey what's going through my mind and the way that I thought um, about movement and the way that I created my mechanism for for location. And um, you know, obviously, as as we've discussed in the past, you know. When you're playing, you know, I've had a career in professional baseball. You know, I've gotten the opportunity to play with a lot of different types of guys and mentalities um, from all through college and then all through professional ball uh, for about ten years, you know, over a decade. So it was kind of cool to kind of see all that and see how everybody operates. But for me, you know, and you know, just watching the industry of the game mm-hmm. um, and what the industry desires, which is typically velocity and effort and intensity, sure. you know, so that you can advance and so that you can get those chances. Right. Um, you know, guys are, are strangled by that that just like seeing red mentality where their movement, the way that they move is designed to just be forceful and to put um, force as much intensity as they can or intent as uh, today's crew would call it. Um, for me, you know, my mechanism, like the reason I was moving was to locate the ball. And 
when I use the word envelop, so I kind of like you not envelope. Did I did I say that wrong? I'm sorry. And well, that, that, it's technically the how. Yeah, I spelled it the way you'd say it. But okay. When I think about like uh, my mechanism in, uh, enveloped both, you know, you can't you can't do something as intensely as you can and, and then try to do something else. For me, what does that mean? You know, Expand my, on that a little more. Um, I feel like if you like if you're doing a task like pitching, for instance, mm-hmm. you know the, the goal of pitching is to locate the ball. In my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, throwing the ball is a, is a byproduct of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And you could look at this in a variety of different sports, a variety of different sort of skills in life. Sure. Um, but for me, you know, as a pitcher who's trying to execute pitches, you know, you need throwing the ball is required. Like it's going, it's going to happen. But for me, you know, locating the ball was my primary task. So with that being said, you know, my main concentration, my main purpose, my main point was to execute the ball where it was supposed to go. I was throwing the ball as a byproduct of that task. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just kind of let throwing occur. And, and intensity also occurs. You can predetermine that before you start. You can be like, All right, I'm going to throw this 100%, I'm going to throw 50%, 60%. You know, the intensity at which you do it is a, is a choice as well. Um, but for many, you know, they're strangled by the industry's desire for velocity, and and their main purpose is to just try as hard as they can, sans any sort of other purpose um, or focus. So, I think it's really important to kind of make sure you're prioritizing what you want to do, and uh, that doesn't mean you can't be intense. It just means you want to make sure you have a purpose to the movement. Yeah, and that kind of takes us into our topic here this evening. And by the way, if you have any questions for us and that you want us to answer here on the podcast, be sure to tweet at uh, Dustin and I at Location Nation on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Jim Tara on both those platforms as well. Follow Dustin, too, because he has a lot of great tweets throughout the week that are very similar to what the one we just explained. But tonight we're talking here on Episode 4 about the brain's role in successful pitching. And so many studies have been done about the brain's role in sports performance in general. I mean, Yogi Berra once said it, what did he say, half of this game is 90% mental. Um, he was he was right. Um he means well, and uh, but he was in a way he was he was very much right because again with the game of baseball and hitting you fail three out of uh, excuse me seven seven out of ten times you fail and you're like Tony Gwynn you're considered one of the best hitters of all time and you're a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's just one microcosm of what the brain does or could do uh, positively or negatively in the game of baseball, but it's the same thing with pitching as well. So just overall, before we really dig into it here, what do you feel the brain's role is in successful pitching throughout? I feel like you know, the brain's role is, is well, one, educating yourself on what, what is pitching, you know, and, and I think with the way that we are and the way that, you know, the game and the way amateur pitchers, you know, operate, you know, there's a big. We talk about command and velocity. We talk about you know movement, um, and we talk about pitching. You know, but for me, you know, you talk about sometimes like command versus velocity, and I think sometimes we talk about um, throwing versus pitching, and I feel like that's a big problem because when it comes to down to both of them, you know, obviously, I feel like when we look at the way the industry works, there's a lot of throwing coaches out there. There's a lot of guys that are teaching guys how to throw. There's a lot of biomechanics involved. There's a lot of things going on that are teaching us how to throw the ball rather than execute what the ball is doing, sure. where it needs to go, the strategy of the game, why we're throwing it to certain areas. 
um, how we're doing it and uh, the consistency at which we do it. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like um, there's, there's two different areas there. So, you know, we're talking about pitching versus throwing and then we're kind of talking about like velocity versus command. You know, I feel like we're kind of going hand in hand with that. And a lot of it gets lost and the, and the purpose of what the brain is doing gets lost mm -hmm. and you need purpose. Yeah. You need, if you're going to acquire skill. How does the brain comprehend? Because there's so much new data out there now. And you mentioned biomechanics. How does the brain comprehend all of this data? It's hard for hitters already, but for pitchers, how do they comprehend all of this data um, while staying focused on the main task? I think that's a amazing, that's a incredible question. And I think it's a, a question that uh, really strongly inhibits a pitcher's ability to become more skillful yeah um some people would probably say that you know being a good mover is is being skilled mm -hmm. and in my opinion that's not very true you, you i don't i don't think you can be a skilled thrower you know a skilled thrower mean would require you to would mean okay that would maybe make you an elite thrower if you're a skilled thrower yeah but an elite thrower isn't can, isn't the same as being an elite pitcher they're not the same thing how are they not the same thing an elite thrower could be somebody who has incredibly, quote unquote, going back to episode one, expert model mechanics or an optimal level of okay. way to move. And they could throw 100 miles an hour and they could be uh, coined as somebody who doesn't have any injury risk. Mm -hmm. And they're just incredibly elite in the way that they throw. But they absolutely cannot throw a strike. They can't execute in the strike zone. They can't strategize against hitters. They don't have, they don't, they can't locate. They don't have that skill or ability to consistently function within the game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the separator there. If we're looking, if we're really digging deep and trying to dive in, into that difference. Well, my question, my, my question. So my a follow up to that is that how do they how how do people consider them elite throwers then if they can't throw a strike? Isn't an elite thrower someone who can pinpoint location at any with any pitch at any time they want? I would say no. Okay. Um, What's the difference? What, so what is the what is then what makes like an elite thrower? Because to me, uh, you're not an elite thrower if you if you can't hit your target, even if you're just playing catch with somebody ninety feet, uh, eighty to ninety feet away. Then then again then in that sense, I guess we could have a difference in definitions of how we're defining what we're watching, what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, if if somebody says that guy's an elite thrower, um, that's that's fine. But I feel like at when you look at if when you look at pitchers across the game, maybe all pitchers through minor leagues, all pitchers through Division One, Division Two, Three, whatever, mm -hmm. you're going to have guys that really stand out that have those metrics that are like off the charts, and that right. doesn't mean that they that they can execute or locate, yeah, um, or use what they have. So if you would say that that's not that means that they're not an elite thrower if they can't do that, mm -hmm. then that's that's fine, I suppose. But I again, I'm still going to use the term pitcher versus thrower because I've seen many guys who have elite metrics or whatever you consider or elite mechanics and they can't use what they have. Mm -hmm. They can't function with what they have. They can't execute what they have. Mm -hmm. So um, in that sense, I would say there's a difference. And that might be something that maybe a lot of people misunderstand when I'm talking about it, you know, throwing mechanics and, the, and how good that they are, quote unquote, doesn't mean that you're going to be able to use them in consistent ways. Yeah. And that's what I kind of goes back to that initial tweet we just talked about in the very beginning. You know, yeah. what to create a better mechanism. You know, the mechanism, the way, the way, or the why of, of how we, the why of movement. Mm -hmm. The why of movement is to execute pitches. 
Not Why are we doing this certain task? Why are we doing this certain movement? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and when I when it, when I dig into what I'm doing, you know, we are the reason movement is occurring is to execute and locate the ball. That's why we go through pitching mechanics. And I'm using pitching mechanics. I'm not using throwing mechanics. Right. Because there are pitching. differences. Right. There's differences in throwing from the outfield, which I know, right. rather than pitching. Right. And again, that's 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 kind of everything I've ever done in life comes down to that that significant separation and purpose. Mm-hmm. And when people, you know, I played with so many different guys throughout my life that just like, man, why is your command so like? How are you so accurate? Why, you locate so well. Yeah. Like my mechanism was so much more. Uh, I guess it was just at a higher level. It was at a higher standard in, in the way that I developed and practiced. Um, and it's at a higher level with how we develop guys here in Maryland too. You know, we, we kind of put that in their mind and, and give them that standard of excellence and purpose uh, so that they can create that separation and, and the why of movement. Well, it goes back to last week when we spoke about how pitchers who locate well but don't throw as hard beat a hitter who's thinking along with them being able to just consistently locate and have that focus as to what you're trying to do even if the pitcher and the hitter are thinking along with each other you could still beat the hitter correct yes you could i mean you the percentages are always going to be in your favor as the pitcher i mean there's as you said in the previous episode as well the, the hitters are always going to see more failure even if you just throw balls down the middle um i mean if the pitchers, if the hitters thinking along with the with the pitcher, you know you're going to be in for a good battle. But again, you don't want to make you want to make sure that you're not consistently just locating to the same spot. Sure. You know, functionally using what you have is is being able to to utilize all of your pitches in a in a variety of ways using the entirety of the strike zone, and hopefully you have that knowledge uh, to execute that. And uh, so, I mean, the knowledge is what is what helps us strategize, and the command is what helps us execute that strategy. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I could use my own a quick little story today. Actually, I was at the uh, earlier. I was at the gym, and uh, the gyms did open, fitness centers did open back up in Florida. Thank God. And I was at the gym today, and I was thinking about this. Um, you know, I was doing uh, dumbbell uh, lateral raises with a one second pause at the top, and I caught myself rushing a little bit. And I said, you know, the one thing I learned through the six weeks of the lockdown of not being able to go to the gym and having to do two thousand push-ups squat body weight squats and ab variations uh in a week was that you're you're getting back to fundamentals and you have a purpose as to why you're doing these things correctly so you don't get hurt um you know bad habits cheating yourself whatever the case may be and i thought about that today when i was rushing a little bit and i thought there's got to be a purpose to everything that you're doing in this gym in this fitness center every stretch every dynamic movement everything you do and it's the same thing when you really break it down with everything you do in the game of baseball but on every pitch as a pitcher there has to be a purpose and this goes back to what we talk about and when we've said that some of this data creates showcase players and rather than actual real baseball players real grinders there's there has to be a purpose to everything you do as soon as you step to work step into work which is the, the ballpark and that goes for any player position player or pitcher yeah, and again, I, I, to, to piggyback on that, you know, if, if that purpose isn't there, let's say you go to create that those those numbers, those metrics, those those things that are that are getting um, viewed and, and desired by college coaches, professional organizations, 
you know, and, and that, that's your main, if that's your main purpose, mm-hmm. you know, learning something new, learning something is essentially a skill on top of that is compoundedly hard to, to try to, especially at max effort. You know, most of the people that have those measurables or metrics are operating at an intensity that is very hard, typically hundred percent effort. They've gotten there. They, they can put up these numbers. That's fantastic. But then they're, they all, you know, the old saying is, Oh, we can teach you later. We can teach you later. We can teach you how to do that later. Mm-hmm. You're not going to teach them to do that later. If they only operate at hundred percent effort, yeah. you can't. And again, that's, that's one of the arguments I have with pretty much any time we talk about pitching, you know, when somebody's trying to teach them command or skill or accuracy later in life, mm-hmm. you know, if your mechanism was created off a purely hundred percent intensity or effort, you're not going to be able to learn a new skill at a hundred percent intensity or effort. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. The brain doesn't have enough bandwidth to, to function, to learn that new mechanism, or that new purpose mm-hmm. at a hundred percent. Agreed. They can, yeah. you yeah. just need to go slower. And the problem there is organizations wouldn't allow you to go slower to learn because you need to continue to throw 94, 96, 98, 100, 104. They're, they're always going to want more. So there's no time for you to, to for the brain to, to learn. Yeah. And, and that's something that also, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about. And um, again, I just, I'd love to be able to see guys improve what they have first before they have that intensity happen yeah well your 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 passion is well taken because this is when this is why i've always been advocate of guys when they first get drafted unless they're a first rounder or well well advanced to work out at the player development complex the entire summer and slow the brains down a little bit because i think that whole workout camp so to speak playing those inner squad games in the afternoon but kind of going to just baseball school in general as their work day helps them not just physically but it helps them in their first season of professional baseball right after signing that contract not just going off to rookie ball and playing in some some shithole town um no offense but uh you know (laughs) it helps the brain kind of develop better in understanding how to become a true professional baseball player because i think that's at times what we are lacking in today's game with these players coming up yeah, I mean, and that's why you see the numbers you see in rookie ball. You yeah. know, you're like, man, this guy's like, or it might be a pitcher that really isn't that he doesn't really have that great of control, maybe, but he has got maybe a ton of strikeouts and not a lot of walks. And you look at you go to look at like the batter and the bat, the hitters just aren't any good. They're chasing everything. They got no plate discipline. You know, you're, one way or the other, it could it could help one guy or the other guy. Yeah. You know, rookie ball is kind of like a crapshoot when you think about it. When you look at it, you know. I think I feel like again the pitchers are always going to have a little bit more of an advantage just because they always will. So just throwing balls around the area with people who don't have good plate discipline or don't know how to hit, um, and those high pressure situations, you know, it's it's going to be tough. And they're not going to have that ability, that chance to learn. You know, they're not going to have that time to learn. And and most likely they didn't learn before they got there. That's why you see so much failure, so many strikeouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's uh, why to me it's like a wasted summer, and, and right. you're just wasting money at that point where you can get them into kind of a camp, if you will, and teach them how to be professional ball players. Because I still hear stories of guys, when they strike out, college guys, when they strike out, they hustle back, then they jog back to the dugout. I mean, I don't want to see this, this Johnny College stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> this isn't, that's not what professional baseball is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that's what you, and that's, yeah, you're right. That's what you're going to see. And you're going to, you weren't, you really do want to teach them how to be professionals. And, and you're right. Slow the game down a little bit. Maybe give them that chance. Cause I'll, and again, this is 
this is why they're there, right? Like yeah. even rookie ballers and people don't realize this, but even rookie ballers can hit the ball just as far as big leaguers. Mm-hmm. Even rookie ballers can throw the ball just as hard as big leaguers. Yeah. Like these guys have the same ability as big leaguers. They just don't produce like big leaguers because they never maybe learned what, how to be consistent, how to strategize. They just possess the ability yeah. to produce the same type of things that big leaguers do. Mm-hmm. And what many just never, again, it's, the, it's that low hanging fruit. We, we always get to watch big league games. Yeah. We always get to see what the big leaguers are doing. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see all the failure of the guys that can do the same stuff. They can do the same stuff as the big leaguers. Yeah. They don't get to see what's happening with, with guys that are just as good but just can't put it together or guys that just don't have the time to learn or can't put can't figure it out. Yeah, they can't like, be as consistent as big leaguers. They can't be as yeah. consistent or, yeah. or they just they just don't ever have the time. They weren't, aren't mentored through the, the organizations don't have a plan in place that are that's really helping them learn how to do everything or use their talent yeah. to the best of their ability. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a travesty for, yeah. for a lot of guys because more guys probably can be more successful. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it goes back to the, the data part and I'm not trying to pour on data here, but, uh, and the metrics, but it goes back to players trying to hit a certain number. So I'm, I'm speaking from the hitter standpoint, trying to hit a certain number or trying to achieve a certain spin rate and then, okay, the workout was a success. Well, you got to ask yourself, was it really success if you just got that um, spin rate that you wanted to achieve so badly? Or did you actually go in? And we're going to do a future episode on this actually next week when we talk about the purpose of bullpens and, and how to uh, do a proper bullpen um, with your side work. Uh, but did you really achieve what you wanted to in this bullpen session? Did you really achieve what you wanted to in this cage session prior to going out to BP and actually having a plan that gets you ready for that night's game. Yeah. And again, you're right. I mean, pitchers and I mean, all players in baseball are inundated with data. You know, it's, it's, there's so many different things that are being looked at and, you know, I don't really know totally for certain. I mean, I have some, I have a couple of professional instructors at the Academy and I have close relationships with guys that are in pro ball right now that are playing and you know, they are, they're just absolutely inundated with information and data and uh, it's paralyzing. And, uh, you know, it changes, it realigns their focus to what are they really trying to achieve? Are they trying to achieve a measurable just to try to hit a certain mark? Um, or are they achieving a task or a goal yeah. uh, that's going to help them be consistent or functional and, and improve their functionality in a baseball game? And I think that's a big difference. And that's, that is the difference between skill and talent, you know, and uh, really, and that's why there's such a big problem in the game because, you know, you, Technically, some and what many would say, you're not going to advance if you aren't hitting that metric, or you aren't you're not going to advance if you don't hit that number, whatever that number may be. And it puts a. And I personally feel that you could do both. You know, the goal of everything that I do with Location Nation is to help everyone understand you can do things in a blended way. Mm-hmm. You want both, and when you when you ha- when you rely too heavily on on one side, it's going to be difficult to to do both. So. Um, you know, I just feel like we can do a better job of blending that, blending and balancing how we're learning. Yeah, and there's a way to learn how to blend and, and balance all of that. If you read Dustin's book, Location Nation's Guide to Commanding Locations, it's a downloadable book as well, available um, with some bonus video content on locationnation.com. If you click on the store tab, we've talked about this the last couple of episodes. Father's Day is right around the corner. This would be a great father's day gift for a father who has a young son who wants to be able to be like dustin and teach him high level pitching 
you know, the book goes across and we've had, we've been really, really fortunate with, with how many people that have gotten it in organizations. You know, we've had front offices get it. We've had professional scouts, coaches, um, and every level of division base baseball has uh, received it. Players, coaches, and, uh, you know, feedback's been fantastic. And uh, I think it just speaks, you know, volumes to just how many, how many people are just looking for content on accuracy and skill and, and how can we, how can we improve that? And, it's it's refreshing and it's fun. It's it kind of brings joy to my heart because it makes me feel like you know guys really are looking for for more content on the art of the game and skill and and and, and again just the the feedback and testimonies from guys that have read it. Um, it's been great and and I'm just happy to get it into more hands and I'm excited to write volume two. Hopefully get that published this year. And um, yeah, I think it'll be a good gift for anybody. Yeah, so again, you could purchase Location Nation's Guide to Commanding Locations. Downloadable book with bonus video content as well. You can get the ebook on the website, locationnation.com. Click on the store, uh, the, the store tab. There's also a pretty cool t-shirt, Location Nation t-shirt, which we talked about last week as well. These are all great prices. Uh, and by the way, if I was in charge of a farm system, Dustin, is, as I've said before, is my uh, pitching coordinator. Every player over the winter, after they enter our system, is reading locate. Every pitcher re- is reading Location Nation's Guide to Commanding Locations. That's how vital the information is. And I, if I'm not mistaken, and I've read some of the book as well, this is a book uh, that really is for all ages. It is. And I was just about to say, it's, you know, everybody from uh, the young travel ball coach or young amateur player to all the way to professional baseball. You know, I actually have had a lot more professionals uh, get the book than I'd say probably on the amateur side, uh, pretty much because of what we were just talking about before. <laughs> you know, the industry's driving guys to throw harder. Um, and, you know, these professionals are there and they're trying to figure they're trying to figure it out and they are trying to learn. So but it is for all ages and it can be applied to all ages. And, and hopefully the, the younger guys can take it so they can start that blending process sooner yeah so uh you know that's that's kind of the goal and i'm happy to get it out yeah so again uh log on to locationnation.com click on the stores to uh, the store tab it would make a great gift for um any a birthday father's day whatever uh location nation's guide to commanding locations the book uh is available again locationnation.com by clicking on the store tab all right, let's keep the show rolling here, uh, Dustin. Talk about uh, something I found today in my prep for the episode. Uh, it, it talks about uh, quiet eyes, and this is um, from uh, Gershon. I hope I'm saying her, her name right. Uh, Gershon Tenenbaum, um, who's a, a medical doctor. She directs the sports and exercise um, psychology lab at Florida State University. And she talked about how... Uh, she used the example of players, basketball players, the free throw line when they're ultra focused in, how their eyes are very quiet. Their eyes aren't darting around, no blinking. Their eyes are very quiet, but the brain is very uh, rapid that, that rapid and moving very quickly at that moment. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this here, but what what is your take of quiet eyes and how does that apply to a high-level pitcher who mentally has is where he needs to be. I mean, for me, I mean, this kind of, kind of, kind of takes me back to, uh, there's a movie back in the day that came out. It was called for love of the game. Yep. Kevin Costner is in that. It was a picture. We're dating and, ourselves now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, great movie by the way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there was a point in the movie, he did it a couple of times, I think. And, uh, he, he was just there and all of a sudden he said, clear the mechanism. And all of a sudden everything kind of just turned into a blur except for the catcher's, the catcher's mitt. 
and or the catcher and the catcher's mitt rather but yeah um you know it just kind of brings that like really heightened degree of focus um on what you're trying to do and you know in that moment you know the, and this is when when i was kind of training myself but in that moment you're not thinking about your mechanics you know you're not thinking about your movement you should be yeah huh you shouldn't be no no yeah, you're, yeah you shouldn't be and you're not, you're not thinking about these things you're not thinking about physical uh, movement you know you're just you're in that very moment you're thinking about you know clearing everything out of your all the uh, noise i guess or the environment the environmental things that can bring pressure on you and you're trying to focus on that very specific task that you're trying to do and and in his case and in a major league pitcher's case so, you know executing that pitch to the best of his ability mm-hmm. aka locating it you know the way that his body has learned to throw it mm-hmm. um or in the case of a free thrower you know he's not thinking about his stroke you know that's just going to occur the way that he's done all those thousands and thousands of reps and focusing on the basket and what are you trying to do you know you're trying to put it inside the rim and uh you know that's clear it does it clears things out of the mind because when, when you start thinking about your movement and the way that you move mm-hmm. it really it, it it paralyzes you it makes it hard to move it makes it hard to to be free and natural so i mean in terms of quiet eyes you know it's just maybe just a little bit of a different phrase but you know basically extreme focus on the task at hand yeah is that something you build towards because it doesn't seem like it's something you can just uh switch on a light and and say okay now i'm extremely focused i mean yeah for every different person it's a little bit different i'd say because everybody has a little bit of a different type of attention span and that's something I've come to learn, you know, as a as a coach. You know, I was coaching Division One guys. I had thirteen different guys, and you know, I took the time to sit down with them individually mm-hmm. and learn about each of them, just their life, who they are, their personality, as much as I could, just to learn more about how they understand things, interpret things, keep attention, just in a normal conversation, just how they how they operate. You know, are their eyes moving around? Are they paying attention? You know, what is their ability to kind of like focus on, on, on that type of stuff? And I would do obviously the same thing in a, in a pitching setting where I was doing all that through the levels. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, it's just different. And I feel like the, the attentional span of someone and it, it is, it, it takes time to build. Mm-hmm. And, but I will say this, I feel like you do need to put that on them. You know, it kind of comes down to like, what are we, what are we trying to do? You know, they have to understand that the, the purpose. And when you when you create that purpose, when you take the purpose off of movement or physical intensity, mm-hmm. you know, to where you're just trying, trying, as compared to like doing something, like specifically trying to do something with where the ball is going, you know, that changes the way that you think. And it, it actually takes a lot of pressure off how you move because you're trying to just locate or you're trying to do a different type of task. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it definitely takes time. It definitely takes time to kind of help nurture that and get guys to believe, like believe in that and um, and focus on that, but yeah, it's a process for sure. And so, besides talking with guys, how do you get them to achieve their highest cognitive abilities? What kind of drills? Um, what what kind of tools could you use? Uh, headphones or um, certain virtual reality um, type type um, um, apparatuses? What could you do to help them build that cognitive ability? Outside of like, I mean, I like I do like the VR stuff. I think that's kind of cool, but. Um, you know, outside of any sort of product or tangible item, you know, again, because a lot of what I do is more of like, I guess I would consider on the holistic side, you know, a lot of the way that I do our tra- do training or, or design practice is, is through what I would consider a constraint-led approach. Mm-hmm. So everything is kind of manipulated in how I'm getting guys to focus, you know, and a lot of that comes down to how I'm designing um, 
where the ball needs to go and certain types of rules, uh, certain types of formats, certain types of pressures, certain types of ratios. Um, but when you come down to just like trying to get them to think or to build that focus, you know, one of the main things that I think really, really helps is visualization, but you'd have to do that within your own mind. You're not right. bringing that on from a VR headset. You're doing it um, within your own mind. And I feel like that greatly improves upon itself when you actually live out that experience. So let's say a guy has never located a ball on the outside corner of the knees. You know, we want to make sure, well, one, if they can do it just one time, then they can relive that experience over in their brain multiple times. But if you don't bring that to, ter- to their attention, that they should do that, they should continue to visualize that whole entire experience over and over again, visualizing the ball out of the hand, its trajectory, its destination, it hitting the glove, the sound, and just building confidence in that whole entire experience you know, guys don't do it. And, you know, that's something I would fall asleep every single night doing like hundreds of pitches, you know, and yeah. mine would be much more in detail, like guys swinging and missing certain counts. Well, how much does meditating out. help with all that? I know that's kind of a, kind of a stupid question, but how much does meditating maybe help with that or not help? I think meditating has put you in a deeper state of visualization. I mean, meditating puts you in a really calm place. It puts you in a place where you can, you could put yourself into a deep, focus and, and let your mind be clear mm-hmm. and quiet um, so that you could enhance that visual that visual process and uh, you know, I'm not any sort of expert in meditation I don't think there's any real expert way to do it but I think people are are really I think there are experts out there that sorry I take that back I think there are experts out there that can definitely help you meditate better mm-hmm. or get to that quiet zone find that peace find that inner peace to where you can really focus on what you're trying to do and no i wouldn't say i'm an expert at that but i think just hope maybe trying to steer guys in that direction to where they can kind of find it is crucial well i, th- I think i think visualization that's kind of what you're what you're talking about here with right. with when you say you know kind of closing your eyes and and just seeing your your plan of attack come together i think visualization it's easier though said than done when trying to achieve that um it's something that you're not again, in my opinion. It's, I'm just speaking from a hitter's standpoint here. You're not going to just turn it on like a like it's a light switch and say, "Okay, now I'm visualizing at my highest level." Uh, it's like performing at your highest level. You have to be able to visualize at your highest level, but build up to that because it does take an enormous amount of focus. Are you mean you mean visualize at your highest level, as in like facing the highest level of competition, or visualize just when you're yourself? like when you mentioned, for example, of when you're vi- when you vis- used to visualize executing your plan, you know whether when you were on the couch or wherever you were at the time, that that ta- especially with with maybe I'm just being too much of a simpleton here, but especially in today's world with so many entertainment options and distractions available, you have to build up to. Um, the visualizing. You're not just going to sit down, visualize yourself succeeding for 30 minutes um, at its, at your highest level without these distracting thoughts coming into your mind. It's something you have to continue to to work at. I think it's that. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree with that. That is absolutely right on point. For me, for what when when I did the majority of my visualization was at night, like when I would go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would go to bed at night, like literally my entire baseball career, probably from high school until I finished the game. Like I would fall asleep because my goal and passion in life was to be a big leaguer. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I wanted to do. Like and I wanted to just locate my way to the big leagues, and you know I was able to locate my way pretty far in the game. But um, but me like every single that passion is important. 
you know, not just not just the ability to like, okay, let me sit down and do my visual. I just love I love pitching. I love yeah. baseball. Yeah. I love locating. I love I love it. Like that passion for what you're doing is also a separator. Yeah. And like when you have that much, I guess, passion or or drive, it, it's easier. You know, it's more fun. You know, it's like oh, I, I, and it's just kind of like you you make you make that time for it. But for me, it was like that's I found I found peace in that going to bed every night visualizing maybe 50 throws 50 pitches different types but but you're right a lot of pitchers or a lot of players rather they either i'm not sure i would not I'm not going to say if it's a passion problem um but maybe it's just they've never really thought about it or, or thought about task that much because you know i didn't go to bed thinking about my pitching mechanics right i wasn't thinking about my movements you know, i was thinking about my tasks and how well i was achieving those and the outcomes that i wanted you know swings and misses balls called for corners at painted balls on the corners and called for strikes like just locking people up like yeah those types of things or just consistently throwing a bullpen to the same exact spot over and over again you know and for the majority of the time those visualizations i had already played out in my life so it's like there's research there um that suggests that you know when you've already played out an experience in life you know when you have those visualizations it's only going to enhance your ability to replicate those experiences and that's why it's so important to just at least do it once yeah. and then bring your attention that continue to visualize over and over again. Um, and again, I think that's helpful and crucial. And having those visualization uh, methods work for you, it's sort of like getting a head start on maybe gaining a little bit more uh, wisdom as well. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah. And I, again, that's kind of maybe what have, has continued to drive me to research more about the brain and, and skill and why maybe why I was able to get better at, at my skill and continue to improve upon it or, or just maybe operate at more ease in the game than others with my skill you know all these all the the research that I've done suggests that those visualizations would at least aid in that ability um, to function under high pressure situations yeah. in those experiences in those environments and uh, again it, the other the upper the other opportunity and you, you would you would hear this from any other professional pitcher too because I've seen them do it you know just sitting in your locker before the game you, know, you don't go up to some guys that are sitting in their locker with their eyes closed. Like you know what they're doing. Like they're they're planning, they're visualizing, they're they're there. Um, and again, I think it does take time to get on that level, but there has to be that passion to do it. Like you have to really love it that much to sit down and like think about it. Like you just want to keep thinking about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And some guys just maybe aren't that. They're just not there. They just don't want to. They don't want to do that. And, and that yeah, it's kind of. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that's okay, but I mean different strokes for different folks i think yeah. when you look at some of the most elite athletes you're probably going to see it yeah you brought up a good point there with um guys at their locker uh, prior to the game that are visualizing with their eyes closed well i was going to ask what do you think the best time is uh, during the day to actually or at night to visualize because not every every player can you know, like like yourself can go home at night uh, and visualize they're sort of you know mentally some guys might be too tired and that's kind of their time to unwind so uh, what would be a good time of day to visualize uh, is it before the game is it uh, right in the morning when you wake up when you're having your cup of coffee for me that's kind of ideal but again I'm kind of different in that sense no, and that's an awesome thought for me to offer that suggestion to guys. And I, you're right. I think it, for me, it was going to bed at night. Like I just that's that's when my mind was cl- at its clearest, and it was going to like be able to rest and like let my mind shut off a little bit for me to focus. And you're right. Like when you're distracted by so many things, it's hard to focus. 
And, and for me, going to bed at night was the best. For some, they might wake up and they might have some downtime in the morning and that's their time to kind of like sit back, have their coffee, close their eyes, or whatever it is they're drinking in the morning. Yeah. Who knows what it is these college kids are drinking in the morning. Usually it's caffeine. I'm not sure they're going to be able to shut their <laughs> mind down. But um, I'm with them you on know, that, whatever that. Maybe they have like an afternoon nap time or something or time that they can just go back to their, their room and just chill out. Um, there's been plenty of time during the quarantine for people to uh, hopefully shut out some of that stuff. But yeah. I don't think there is an exact time, Jim. I think, uh, you know, just whatever, just if it's a priority for you, if you know, like if it's just something that you, again, have that passion for, sometimes you might just be, it might just be five minutes of downtime. You're sitting on your couch or outside hanging out. I mean, everybody's going to be different. Yeah. I've heard the, the brains roll, uh, wrote this down today. The, the, I, 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 I'm kind of, I believe in this, the brains roll in uh, visualizing and uh, reading something or studying something right before you go to bed or when you're laying in bed rather than um, watching TV or playing on your your cell phone with the lights off. You read something, you study it, try to memorize or at least get the idea of it, and you wake up in the morning and you're a lot... um, you're, I can't read my own handwriting here, Jesus. Uh, you're a lot. You're, you're, uh, uh, you're. Uh, my dad always says I write in two font. Um, you're a lot more uh, adept. I think that's what I wrote. Uh, yeah, uh, you're a lot more adept at actually knowing the subject better. All right. So uh, my question to you is, what is your take on that? Do you feel that maybe visualizing right as you're falling asleep, or even with your eyes closed, trying to fall asleep, visualizing uh, going to bed, that you're getting a better, better grasp rather than just sitting down for ten minutes visualizing? opening your eyes up and um, going going about your day. Again, different strokes for different folks, but will that work for some? I think, you know, when I look at it, you know, I felt the reason the reason I brought up sleep or right before going to bed was because I felt like that was um, that was my time to get into my deepest focus. Mm-hmm. That was at the time where I had, you know, the lights were off, it's quiet. I know I'm about to pass out, but it was also my time like right before I could fall asleep, I, I could like really just just think and like go through like those feelings and those those uh those those tasks and like I, that's when I felt like it was the best for me and that's when I that's when I felt like I was really like actually like living them out like I really felt like I was like throwing you know I was like that's how like deep it was for me like I actually felt like I was like doing a bullpen mm-hmm. before I'm going to sleep you know it's like that yeah and that's why I felt like you know I throw I might have thrown hundred pitch bullpens daily, but then I'd throw another one at night before I go to bed. So I'm throwing two mm-hmm. because that, that mental, that mental bullpen is just as important. Again, based on what I've, what I've looked, read and researched, um, living out, you know, visualizing what you want to live out and that ability to just kind of replicate, you know, cognitively those tasks is, is really, really crucial. Yeah. Yeah. The episode's going really well so far. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Location Nation Podcast, all about pitching on Apple, Google, Spotify. Just want to uh, make sure that I remind everybody that we're on TuneIn Radio, the TuneIn Radio app. And we're also now working on getting on I, on the iHeartRadio app and iHeartMedia.com. Uh, but also we are... Uh, on Stitcher.com as well, another big podcast platform, and our YouTube page continues to build as well. Location Nation will get you full episodes up there and clips as well from previous episodes, plus SoundCloud as well. That is uh, also being built, so don't forget to uh, be on lookout on Twitter and Instagram um, for those things as well. Um, again, previous episodes are available in the archives, new episodes every uh, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Uh, some apps I saw today um, involving... Uh, 
focusing and and just sports uh, visualization in general. A um, couple here that I have uh, on my computer that I looked up earlier today. Lucid is one. I don't know if you've heard of any of these. Um, uh, Head Sharp is another. Uh, are there apps that you, or an app that you would suggest that would help along with this visualization process? Are you a believer in apps, or, or are you more so on the uh, natural organic side uh, with the brain and kind of taking all technology, so to speak, out of the equation? And it's just you and your brain focusing and visualizing. Um, definitely more on the holistic side. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely more on the organic side and then kind of creating that own mechanism within yourself. Uh, I do like the idea of some VR th- stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually thought about this in the past, you know, like if you're able to somehow record yourself doing something mm-hmm. in from a first person point of view where it's actually yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you could go back and replay that in a VR setting, that kind of, if you have trouble visualizing, for instance, if you if you really have trouble focusing, you know, if you could kind of go through and, and watch mm-hmm. yourself do something, it kind of just goes back to hopefully aid or assist in your ability to, to visualize. So, sure. you know, in that sense, I could see that. But no, I don't have any apps in mind or any apps that I kind of usually put out. It's I would say I'm more on the like, listen, let's really try to dive dig deep here and, and try to find that that inner intrinsic uh, area where we're, where we're getting those quality visualizations and just hopefully redirecting the way that guys are are thinking about what they're doing. Sure. And, and really that's that's tough because most guys don't they're not visualizing anything in particular. They're just they're they, they might not even know what it means because they're just they're trying again it goes back to the intensity factor. They're they're not really sure what they even maybe should be visualizing. So um, redirecting that attention is uh is important at first and having that passion to do it is second. Yeah, they may not know what it, exactly what it means. You're exactly right. So how would you walk a player through that in, in understanding how they could properly visualize so that um, they could um, better visualize and, and better help themselves mentally? Well, again, so I work with guys pretty much daily. And, uh, you know, typically when we're, in, when we're throwing on bullpens, uh, they might paint a corner. You know, they're working on the outside corner, and they paint a corner. They paint a ball off the knees on the outside corner. And I'm like, all right, can you lock that in? And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, can you? <clears throat> I was like, would well, do you remember what you just did? Yeah. And like, well, yeah. And like, well, can you can you like remember that? Yeah. And like, I make I make a point to kind of help them remember that experience. So like, when you think about life, everybody has these moments in their life where they it's a very vivid memory. It's a very yeah. vivid, very tangible thing that we felt, and we really like draw that connection to it, and we really like draw that <clears throat> that visualization. Like, we will never forget that moment. Like it's always going to be there. We're always going to be able to draw on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes when I mean, pitchers just typically just mindlessly go through their 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 patterns, their motions, their 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 bullpens, uh, or their or their games. You know, and it's like even in games, like if if you like painted a backdoor slider on the corner, like can you lock in that memory? Like that's an awesome thing that you just did. That whole entire experience. You know, in bullpens, when I'm working with guys, you know, I really try to make a point. Like, hey good pitch like let's lock that in like mentally like remember what that remember where it went did you see the trajectory of it where it landed hit the glove perfect great frame job like you know all of that just like taking the whole entire experience and then they'll they'll remember that particular pitch and they'll come back and maybe text them later that night or later that week like hey remember that pitch or it might be like 10 pitches that i that i call their attention to and so just like bringing more attention to the whole entire task not just your body movement you know, yeah. like, what did you do? 
What did you execute? Did you pay attention to it? And then relive it, just relive it over and over again and just kind of coaching them through it. And it's kind of fun because we'll get sometimes guys coming back in and be like, yeah, it's like really helped me. Like I really built more confidence in my ability to do that. Yeah. And whether or not they're actually producing it might vary, but um, that's the starting point. And that's where we are with these middle school and high school guys. So all, all the baseball meditation, so to speak, and the visual visualization, it helps uh, a player's brain slow down a little bit so they can execute their given task. Yes, I mean, and that's the point. I mean, the goal is to slow down some, um, so that we can so that we can execute it. And you know, a lot of the stuff, uh, some of the stuff I've written about, and there's a lot of there's a lot of content on this these days. And it seems like it's you know, it's it's kind of like hit or miss. It seems like when I'm on social media, but just the myelin, you know, myelination process with how the brain um, enhances what we're trying to work on and you know essentially myelination is is when we when a sheath uh, kind of builds itself over a nerve ending and uh, when that happens it kind of it improves and it really uh, solidifies that nerve and the way in which we execute that task and for some people my people might think about myelination in terms of like okay we're enhancing our ability to throw but at the same time like myelon myelon and that that process the way that we kind of like insulate those circuits around task comes down to purpose too so we can we want to myelinate like we want to make sure our brain is like myelinating uh purpose and our ability to locate like if we locate a ball seven like five out of ten times and we keep doing it over and over again like we want to get a higher percentage and that that myelon can help it it's almost like you're just locating like the same way you would ride a bike yeah you know that's why guys that have command can typically like they always have it once they get it yeah you know and and uh, you know, my, it, the only thing that really could change it is maybe the environment, and that's something that's kind of where I am now in my research, like how the environment can kind of change our ability and the way our brain is kind of function up to that process. But um, the other cool thing about myelon is that it it enhances the task. So you know, while the ability might be to, the purpose, the sole purpose might be to locate the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, as you do that over and over and over and over and over again, you're also throwing the ball. So you're you're myelinating two things at once. You know, throwing the ball, as I said in the very beginning, mm-hmm. is a byproduct of locating the ball. Locating the ball is the primary function. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you go about building that mental cognitive ability for a player, helping them along with that building? to be able to locate because you know again some guys don't think about what they do at all uh in terms of just purely locating the ball or just yeah or just uh, executing a task that they need to i think just bringing their attention to the task because a lot of times the uh, the accountability with where the ball goes or the understanding of where the ball ended the destination of the ball is oblivious to a lot of guys that I've worked with in life. You know, they, they think that the ball is down. They don't understand what up is, what down is, what the bottom of the zone is, where it's going, where it went. If they hit the same spot, it's just trying to get them to pay closer attention, more attention to the details of, of the task. So one, helping them understand, you know, what are, what are you exactly trying to do? You know, and, and there's different things. Like the way that I kind of help train that is putting them into a constraint led approach where there's a certain set of rules. So if the ball needs to be down, they can either hit the spot or it needs to be down. So they have a much better understanding of, did I execute the rule? Did yeah. I miss? Where did it go? And then we kind of can arbitrarily say whether or not they executed the task or not. But guys typically aren't functioning in that sense. They're just literally hoarding the ball in the direction of home plate. And there's not much really thought that goes into it. So it's just redirecting and, and hopefully um, enhancing their focus on the task. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's something that you can't do overnight. Well, you, I mean, I mean, well, literally, you, you can do it overnight, but you can't. It's not something you can you can build and learn overnight. Which is, I think, that's kind of a, a lesson in all of this that it, it takes just as much work mechanically, uh, visually, and and mentally as it does trying to repeat your mechanics um, physically on a daily basis every single time you take the mound, whether it be for a bullpen session or for um, your your start or your your um, time out there out of the bullpen in an in-game yeah. situation. Yeah, it's a it's a constant process, you know. And and again, I I, I didn't really speak too much on it tonight, but you know, ultimately you do want to ha- you do want to have your mechanics out of the way, mm-hmm. like, and that's that is a process, and that's something that you hope that you get done you get down earlier in life to where you have them, you have your pattern down the way that it, that you like it, you have your pattern down in a way that we would consider quote unquote efficient, and we can just let it be. We can just let the pattern operate the way that it needs to, so you can focus on the task. Because the more we focus on movement, we can't focus on what we're trying to do. And that's ultimately what's most important in any game that requires you to, to compete. You need to focus on what you're trying to do. Um, and uh, you know your pattern, if it's good, and you do, and you try to keep working on tasks over and over again, it's typically going to get better. You know, yeah. so um, again, I just think we're we're putting. Guy, we're giving guys a little bit of a different lens or perspective to see this through, and, and hopefully it clicks for some. Yeah. We talked about mechanics in previous episodes. Go back in the archives. Check that out. Again, new episodes every Tuesday, 9 a.m. on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, the TuneIn Radio app. We're on Stitcher now as well, and be uh, on the lookout for clips that we'll post on our social media from uh, the SoundCloud page uh, as well. Next week, we'll be discussing um, the proper approach to a bullpen session. So it's kind of a follow-up on um, the brain's um, role in pitching here from from this week and what the proper approach should be in a bullpen session. It's like hitting in the cage or hitting in BP. Bullpen sessions are very important, but sometimes, unfortunately, from what I've seen, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I've, I've have a good grasp on it. I've seen bullpen sessions sort of used as just let's get through it and let's go on to the next task, which is not obviously the proper way to go. And we're going to discuss um, the proper way to have a bullpen session next week. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that too. I mean, there's, there's, God, I mean, you're right. Like looking back at like just how the industry is, you know, you pop up on social media, you see guys throwing. I guess you would call it a bullpen. They're they're throwing pitches in the direction of the catcher, and then they're posting their metrics, and yeah, it's like, good God, like what did I just watch? Like three guys <laughs> just would have died in that at bat, and four guys would have been you would have walked a run in. Like, I don't even talk. I don't even comment on it anymore. It, it it is what it is. I mean, this is the way that the the baseball world operates, but. Um, that's not a bullpen, you know. A bull, a quality. Again, I'm always going to hold guys to a high standard, which is major leagues. You know, are right. you are you executing a purpose, and can you do it consistently over and over again? If you can't do it in a bullpen, if you can't do it in a bullpen, you're not. If you can't do it when you're playing catch, you're not going to do it in the mound under pressure in a crazy environment. Like yep. it's just not going to happen. No. So there's there's a certain way to go through a bullpen and. You know, there, there's definitely a lot of different phases and transitions that you can help guys get through pen so that it's it's more representative of maybe what they're going to do and and how they're going to operate and the things that they're trying to be and, and things that sorry things that they're trying to do consistently. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more that goes into it and and uh, that's something I definitely put a lot of content on 
like definitely three years ago. I put a lot, a lot of videos on on those bull, on bullpen sessions and how to go about them. But yeah, definitely looking forward to getting into that with you, Jim, next week. Yeah, and uh, I was just thinking of of Charlie Sheen's character in Major League and when he in spring training when he um, um, was in his bullpen session and he and he knocked the um, wooden guy's head off with his fastball because he had. Well, no. One of my favorite control. baseball movies, Major League yeah. Two. One of my favorites. Major League Two, not Major League yeah, One. Yeah, Major League Two. Oh, okay, not Major League. I was more of a Major League One kind of guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. I mean, I didn't really. Yeah, I definitely didn't like three, but two is one of my favorites. I don't consider three a Major League movie anyway. By the way, yeah, um, you mentioned Major League Standard, uh, and that's what you hold people to, and I think that's uh, a great thing. I had a, a scout friend of mine uh, once tell me this. He said uh, he taught me this lesson. He said you should scout a player like they're going to be in the major leagues tomorrow and kind of gauge where they are and where and that'll help you gauge where they need to get to and if they can actually get to that point and it and it goes to what you said about how you judge pitchers uh, at from the game's highest level like they could be in the major leagues tomorrow that's yeah and that's that's where i am with it and there's no reason why you can't i mean when i when i was taking lessons as as an eighth grader you know, from my bullpen catcher who was with the Orioles and batting practice star who was with the Baltimore Orioles. You know, I, I, I was learning things that big leaguers talked about constantly, often. Like this is, and that's how I wanted to operate as a ninth grader in high school, as a 10th grader in high school. And, you know, people are always like, well, you threw, you were a unicorn, you were left handed, you threw sidearm. Well, none of that matters. Like the only reason I was able to do or produce the output was because I, I had knowledge and, and information on how to be really skilled mm-hmm. um, and how to get guys out. So, um, yeah, I feel like – and how to be a big leaguer. What, what are the big leaguers trying to do to be the best at what they do? And, yeah. and that's that's always going to be the standard of, of how I operated through my life, and that's kind of the standard of which I try to let, hopefully mentor guys and coach guys. Yeah. So, again, next week we'll be speaking about uh, how to properly go about a bullpen session. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast if you'd like. I, I don't do it, but if you'd like, uh, leave a review as well. Uh, our listening numbers have been great. We thank you for that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Location Nation, at Jim Tara as well. And subscribe to the podcast. New episodes every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, and we're now on Stitcher as well. Good stuff uh, this week, Dustin. Any final words before we uh, depart? No, uh, I think we had a good session tonight, and I think uh, hopefully we can kind of move on through this, and, and guys can really hopefully redirect their attention, their focus, their purpose, uh, and their mission to just improve themselves as an overall balanced athlete when they're out yes. there on the pitcher's mound and, and not just some sort of uh, brain-dead mule hucking <laughs> a ball in the direction of home plate um, under the most utmost intensity that they possess uh, without any sort of cognitive direction. And, uh, you know, I say that, I say that with a little bit of a smirk, but, um, you know, I, I ultimately just want the best for every single pitcher that that's out there. And I just want to see them succeed to the best of their ability. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully the more we get through this podcast and the more, the, hopefully more, the more people and more guys understand that that's the main mission of this. So brain dead mule. Is that, is that correct? That's what I said. And that's what it seems like sometimes. What was the word last week you used? Uh, uh, wallop, molly whopped. That's right. Yep. So that was okay. Yep. So that, that was the theme of last week's episode. Molly whopped. Yeah. And brain dead mule. Uh, I use brain dead mule with my wife sometimes because I feel like uh, you know she tells me to do things and I just you know I'm just a I just I'm a brain dead mule. Just tell okay. me I, tell me where I need to go. Tell me where I need to be. What do I need to do? Okay. Well, you don't along. you don't call her that because that probably no 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 that's yeah. that, I put that on myself as no. uh, as a 
maybe an incoherent husband sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would uh, suggest doing that. Anyway, okay, well, good stuff this week, and uh, stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye.